This is a MacKillop Farm Management Group podcast. We acknowledge and respect the traditional owners of the ancestral lands, Potterwich to the north, Jarwajali to the east, Bowendick to the south and Meetung to the west of the Limestone Coast region. We acknowledge Elders past and present and we respect the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of Aboriginal peoples to country. Welcome to The Prosperous Farmer, a podcast telling the stories of farmers in the Limestone Coast and Western Victoria. I'm your host, Meg Bell, and today I'm here with Keith Farmer and newly elected MacKillop Operations Committee member, James Pitchford, and Saudi Senior Research Officer, Megan Willis. James is an Ag Science graduate from the University of Adelaide, a former winner of the SA Junior Heifer Expo Senior Champion Herdsman, and has gained priceless experience on a three-month study tour of North America. Megan is the principal investigator in the commercialisation of virtual fencing for livestock project and how virtual fencing can be implemented effectively in red meat and wool production systems, which includes field trials at the Struan Research Centre. James and Megan, welcome and thanks for coming. James, tell us a bit about how you first got into farming. We started farming six years ago. I'm in partnership with my parents, Wayne and Judith. They're not farmers, they're Adelaide Uni and the Davies Research Centre there. Mum's off a farm and dad's brothers and, and um, father were farmers. So we're keen to get in. So yeah, six years ago we saw an opportunity in Keith and had a crack and bought 1,300 acres there and have just bought another 400 down the road to sort of nearly make it to a full-time equivalent, I suppose, and not have to pick up too much extra work. Bought a, probably what was the first continuously cropped farm in Keith and have converted it to livestock pretty well. So still do a bit of cropping, a lot of sowing pastures and a lot of loosen as well and try and get the most out of it we possibly can. Excellent. I was going to ask you to tell us a bit about your business, but you've already done that, <laughs> yeah. so well done. Jump the gun. <laughs> that's, that's really exciting, a really exciting time to be part of the farming industry and, and getting into it and having a good crack, so well done. Megan, to you now, can you describe to us a little bit about what virtual fencing is and how it works? Virtual fencing is an ag tech solution designed to contain or exclude animals using GPS-enabled boundaries. The GPS works via a LoRaWAN tower that speaks to a neckband and communicates to the animal when they're approaching the virtual boundary. So that happens initially through an audio tone that's emitted and then if the animal modifies its behaviour, so stops, turns around, backs up, no further action will happen. But if the animal continues towards the virtual boundary, they'll receive an aversive pulse via the neckband. Over time, they learn to avoid that aversive pulse and respond to the audio tone alone. Tell us a bit for people who don't know, particularly me, what's LoRaWAN? Oh, LoRaWAN is communication method similar to 4G cellular network um, works over a long range and it's a narrow bandwidth so for designed for small data to be transmitted over long ranges um, regularly. Okay so perfect for this application. Yes. Excellent. As the principal investigator what have you discovered about how virtual fencing can be effectively used in our livestock systems in the limestone coast? Particularly down in the limestone coast, I think uh, the main application initially will be for rotational grazing of sheep and cattle. We're quite lucky down here, I suppose, to have farms that are quite easy to fence and um, split up for rotational grazing. But I think the labour costs associated with that sometimes can be significant. 
So that's where virtual fencing will come in as a a way to reduce infrastructure costs and a way to reduce labour costs associated with rotational grazing. That's probably specifically in the lower southeast, in the upper southeast, I think being able to exclude livestock from particular areas like erodible areas like sand hills or scrub or waterways and things like that will be really valuable as well. They're probably the main draw cards for the limestone coast. Sounds like it could be very handy. (laughs) James can you tell us a bit about what's been your involvement with virtual fencing? I've got zero involvement but a keen interest I suppose. We got 150 hectares split up for techno grazing and do a lot of rotational grazing as well, where we use Kiwi Tech equipment. We're forever changing the size of the paddocks to match the pasture availability and to mob sizes at the time, which is great, but spent a lot of time putting out electric fences, winding them up, untangling them, especially in chicory and that sort of <laughs> thing, and getting electrocuted every now and then too. So I've got a keen interest in virtual fencing because I can see that it could be quite a Maybe not a labour saving, but it could be a better way of doing what we're trying to achieve. Keeping a keen ear out on when it's going to be a thing and keen to sort of have a crack at it. And I can see it increasing our production a fair bit in that at the moment we sort of work on a two to three day rotation. But I've seen people get their rotation up to even a couple of times a day or three or four times a day. I know that American tour that was mentioned before stayed at a place in Texas. They were moving their cattle 10 times a day and having a pretty amazing impact on their landscape. I would like to think that with virtual fencing and the opportunities that that could bring that we might be able to sort of take things to another level in the future. No involvement, but yeah, keen interest. And it sounds like you've had a bit of a think about how you might be able to use it on your farm. Yeah, absolutely. In the upper southeast, as Megan said, good to exclude sand hills. They often seem to be the preferred sheep camp. For us, we're probably more flat country, not far out of Keith. Just that constant rotational grazing aspect would be unreal. Particularly just trying to get a large number of stock on a small area at any one time when grazing fodder crops and that sort of thing would be unreal. The possibilities are pretty huge, I reckon, for us. But yeah, we'll just wait and see how it all works out, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. All sounds very exciting. Megan, you've obviously done quite a bit of work in this area to date. What do you think in your experience are the main barriers to adoption of virtual fencing on farm and how do you think these barriers might be overcome? So I think initially the major barrier will be the cost of adopting at the moment. The cost is still up there because it's not widely adopted across Australia for a number of reasons. So that will probably be the main barrier for a lot of producers. I think the second one will be just understanding of the technology, how it works, how to use it, given that it is a technology that can be used in a range of settings for a range of different reasons and in different species. So I think having that understanding of how you'd actually implement in your own production system like James has is probably the main driver for people I would imagine. And I also think just given that it is a new technology not having that level of extension and support around the technology yet. Tank monitors and things are widely used and we know a lot about how to use them, but yeah, actually having an understanding and having some extension out there for producers of how to use the technology and what the benefits are would be a huge one. 
And is that something that you've been able to tackle in the research that you've been doing? You've been working out how best it might be used on farm? Our project, which we'll talk about a bit later, looks at not only the wellbeing impacts of the technology and looking into all of that, but also the commercial applications, how to use it in different settings and also then developing some extension materials around that as well. So when those trials do eventually happen, they'll form the basis of return on investment reports and case studies that will become available to producers. From the research you've done so far, what do you think are the main reasons a farmer would implement virtual fencing? Like I said earlier, rotational grazing is a big one, as well as having the ability to exclude livestock from particular areas. So I think given that it is such a diverse technology and can be used for so many different reasons, I think it's highly dependent on the type of production system you're running, where you're located, the class of animals that you're running as well. For example, for James, he might look at rotationally grazing his cows and moving them twice a day. Other people might want to exclude cattle from native vegetation for carbon farming someone else might just want to keep sheep off of sand hills like there's just such a range of uses for a technology like this it's highly dependent on the production system but it's exciting at the same time having a technology that can be used in so many different ways and solve problems for so many different enterprises yeah for sure I think it's really exciting it might be really exciting but sometimes these things also come at a bit of a cost do you have any idea at the moment what the cost to implement virtual fencing on farm would be to farmers there's only currently a couple of technologies that are available in australia these work the same way but their business models and costs are slightly different so as i mentioned before before you do anything you need the appropriate communications on farm so your LoRaWAN towers these are anywhere between five and ten thousand dollars each installed and depending on your property you might need two or three of those depending on your topography and the area you're looking to cover in terms of actually purchasing the neck bands there's a couple of different ways you can do that so you can purchase outright they're about $350 each at the moment or you can go on a year by year lease basis which is about $50 per collar per year at the moment and then obviously there are some ongoing fees in using the online platform and technical support and things like that. From what you've said so far it sounds like virtual fencing is commercially available at the moment in South Australia or is that not the case? The technology is not currently available to South Australian producers. It is available in Western Australia, Queensland and Tasmania. However, the Animal Welfare Act in South Australia prohibits its use. This is because it's bundled in with the same legislation that prohibits the use of dog training collars and similar devices. This project is working towards an effective regulatory change which has been proposed by the regulatory body to allow virtual fencing for South Australian livestock producers. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the collars and the other equipment actually works and are there other varieties and other different kinds of ways to conduct virtual fencing or do you have to have the collar? The basis of virtual fencing is it was developed around associative learning in animals which basically means the animals learn that there's a cue that then results in an aversive event if they don't modify their behaviour. So all virtual fencing works in this way because it's effective and it's ethical. 
there are at the moment collars are the only method of delivering this technology however that's not probably the best option for sheep given that they've got wool that insulates the pulse there is research going on not by Persa and not in South Australia looking at different methods of applying virtual fencing to sheep whether that's an ear tag or whether it's a halter or something different so that's definitely down the track a little bit for now the collars are the most effective way and super effective in cattle it's just getting over that issue in sheep with the wool sounds like some exciting times ahead for some new technologies yes hopefully (laughs) what's next for the particular project that you're involved with and what sort of role does the stew and research farm play in that the project will run into 2024 we'll be undertaking four or five research trials predominantly based at the Struan Research Farm down here. We will have some other trials, hopefully in the far north, looking at implementing virtual fencing in an extensive cattle grazing system. Predominantly at the Struan Research Centre, we'll be running rotational grazing in cattle, looking at the implications of virtual fencing on that. Uh, We'll also be looking at establishing the technology further in sheep. So we'll run a pilot study looking at how effectively the technology does contain larger, more commercially applicable mobs of sheep. Uh, And then we'll move into looking at how many devices, the proportion of devices in a mob you need to fit to sheep to still have the same effect. So looking at reducing that initial cost of adoption for producers. So that's our focus of work at the moment. As part of that, we'll be doing some pretty nifty animal wellbeing measures, which is pretty exciting, partnering with Professor Mark Hutchinson from the Adelaide Uni for that. So that will help form the scientific evidence behind the how ethical virtual fencing is. And the Struan Research Centre will host most of those trials. We're pretty fortunate to have Struan in the limestone coast. We've got sheep and cattle, all the research facilities that we need going forward this work will be a pretty exciting thing to be happening at Struan. Our research capability is still strong. I think it's great to have it happening in our own backyard. I know we're all pretty keen as local people to see Struan continue. James, you mentioned a little bit about your tour to North America before. Tell us a little bit more about that. What did you see when you were there? And particularly, is, was there anything that you saw when you were there that you think you could be implementing on farm back here in Australia? That was a fair while ago now. That was 2016, so it <laughs> um, takes a bit to trigger the memory. Was there as part of the Junior Heifer Show program, so I was there doing a lot of show cattle stuff predominantly. Spent some time at J.D. Hudgens at Texas where they had their system really wound up to the point you know they're moving cattle 10 times a day and sort of come back with a fair bit of excitement after seeing some pretty good grazing practices where I'd been working previously at Tail and Bend so I've given that sort of thing a crack maybe not to that extent I've seen good results and sort of seen similar grazing systems when I was in Montana as well so yeah there's probably a couple of things there that had sort of confirmed that it was something worth chasing I suppose um, in regards to getting on top of weeds and sort of improving that soil function. The best bit about that one in Texas was that they had silverleaf nightshade and they just about got on top of it 
and we're blessed with quite a bit of silver leaf nightshade where we are in Keith. So at the time, it was like, yeah, this could be the way to do it instead of spraying. Awesome. Um, that's not the case, but <laughs> it's def- definitely something that helps. So yeah, yeah, excellent. What's next for you on farm, both in a virtual fencing capacity, but also just in general? What, what have you got planned for the next five years? Yeah, so the virtual fencing team might be a fair way off. In the next five years, we're just trying to get on top of our acidic sands. Want to have a crack at growing dry land loosened seed. And yeah, I suppose we've spent six years learning how to farm and still got a lot to learn. Probably got six years down the track and realised we know peanuts and before that <laughs> it wasn't much better. So pretty exciting really to see where we refine it. We've probably got to a point now where we're 70% um, Merino ewes and 30% trade cattle. Um, probably got that flexibility balance about right so yeah just trying to make sure we can get the most out of um, the country we've got whatever that looks like and it might be I don't know a bit more soil amelioration work or what have you we're just trying to sort of knock on as many doors as possible and see where that takes us yeah for sure you've got some pretty good support networks with your parents at Adelaide Uni so I reckon it's only onward and up for upward from here yeah, yeah. no very lucky yeah. <laughs> excellent well thank you james and megan so much for joining us today and sharing your stories with us it was great to have you here this podcast episode was brought to you by the commercialization of virtual fencing for livestock project which is funded by the south australian government through the research commercialization and startup fund the project is led by sardi and the university of adelaide Thanks for listening to The Prosperous Farmer, a McKillop Farm Management Group production. You can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at McKillop Group or check out our website at mckillopgroup.com.au. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Mm-hmm.